Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Church London. You're listening to a message given on a Sunday morning. If you'd like to know more about us and the life of the church, please visit trinitychurchlondon.com. We've got this table here before us and here we have uh, some bread and some wine. And, and what we're going to be doing later on in the service is taking the Lord's Supper together. And I, I thought it would be a moment to just talk a bit more about what it is we do when we when we share the bread and the wine together, because very often we share for two minutes and then, and then we do it. One of the things that came out of, of New Day, and just I'm still kind of experiencing and feeling and what our young people said, was just this overwhelming sense that Jesus is wonderful. Like he's just, he's such a good God. Sometimes you have those moments, don't you? You always know mentally Jesus is good. But there are sometimes those moments when you're like, feel so happy that I'm a Christian and that Jesus is my God. I, I'm just, he is so kind and so wonderful and so powerful and, and so generous with all that he is. And just to see these young people putting Christ at the very centre, there, 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 was, there was no sense of like New Day is the thing. New Day was just this moment where we gathered around the thing who is a person, Jesus Christ. And our vision as a church is to see the glory of God known across London and the nations. And the glory of God, we're told in the Bible, is first and foremost known in the face of Jesus Christ. It's not a mysterious kind of spiritual experience that you have to have. If you want to know the glory of God, we open up our Bibles and we see Christ's life and his teaching and his death and his resurrection. And there in his life and in his face, we're told that we see the glory of God. And for us as a church, it might feel weird to say Jesus is the centre of our church. And it's easy to say that sometimes stuff can happen that makes Jesus not be the centre. You know, in church life there are kind of niggles that happen. You've got things to do. There's rotors that you're on. You've got to serve here and do that. And, And then there's this mission. And there are so many things. There's people to help and to serve. And there's so much stuff. And... And there's administration just to get it all happening. And sometimes we can forget the kind of simplicity that we are a people gathered around a man who is leading us, who has died for our sins and is resurrected now, leading us to glory. And his name is Jesus. And church architecture um, has always historically been done deliberately so to ensure that the, the central things are are central so my father-in-law is in fact a church historian and uh, so he teaches us many lessons about so-and-so Georgian church and what this is and that piece of wood here and whatever and, and everything is deliberately organized to show us what the, the central thing and in the 1500s where there was this kind of um, reawakening to the centrality of the Bible and to the grace of Jesus and really the simplicity of faith what happened was that the, the, the pulpit was kind of moved to centre stage in the church, literally just put in the centre. Oftentimes you go to some churches and you, the, the, the pulpit is on the side, seeing that, is, and it's moved into the centre, deliberately so, because the word is at the centre. And as we read the word, Jesus Christ is known because he is at the centre. And then you have this table that was historically been at the centre of the church when churches have been built. Because in this bread and in this wine, we meet Jesus Christ. And I wanted just to put it here central as I preach, not behind a lectern, 
just to kind of make the point physically that this Jesus is the one that we gather around. And there's lots of other stuff that happens, but you or I could come or go and Jesus remains the same and he is building his church. And if you're not a Christian here today, all I would love you to go away with is this, is this uh, idea, this, this knowledge that Trinity Church London and church is about Jesus. Um, we're not here to put on a show, we're here to know Christ. Um, and I just want to talk a little bit about it. In fact, two things, one, one thing first and then, and then the Lord's Supper. Um, Historically, in Protestant churches, there has been two sacraments, what they call the baptism and the Lord's Supper. And two, because in the scriptures, Jesus gave these two to the church to do. He explicitly said that when people come to faith, you baptise in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he also told us to continue to take this meal together. And both of these things, these sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, what they do is that they're really gifts to us to ensure that Jesus actually remains at the centre of the church. Because he knows that you and I are prone to wander away from him. We do it in, we do it in different ways. Some of us do it by really trying hard to be good Christians. It's a very funny thing that in the process of trying to be a good Christian, you can actually walk away from Jesus. This is what happened to me. At about the age of 17, I finally took Jesus seriously. I was reading the Bible, I was amazed at who he was, and I wanted to follow him. So I began to, when I accepted his grace in my life, I said, yes, thank you for dying for my sins. And then over the process of the next like four or five years, what I basically did is I read biographies and read about how other Christians kind of did their Christian walk and subconsciously thought, that's what it means to be a Christian. So I'd literally read, like, this guy, he got up at so-and-so o'clock. Unfortunately, I read about people who used to wake up at, like, five o'clock in the morning. If only I'd read a biography of someone who's laid in till nine and then worshipped Jesus, it would have made my life a lot simpler. But I literally was like, what? You, you, I, I guess that's what you do. If you want to be a really passionate Christian, you've got to wake up super early. You've got to read your Bible this amount of time. You've got to do this amount of fasting. So this, this is what I'm going to do. And I, basically what my focus was on was... I've got to do these things. So I'd wake up in the morning and I'd literally think like, often this very kind of heavy feeling on my life, like, I've got stuff to do as a Christian. Okay, I've got to get through my list. And I would live with this emotional kind of roller coaster all the time. I remember sometimes literally walking out the door, going to university, going to classes, I'm feeling like this high because I had made it. I'd woken up at five o'clock in the morning. I had read this certain amount of Bible that I felt was satisfactory. I'd done enough prayers that I felt God would be happy with. I felt like I'd done it. Like, I'm a good Christian. I remember literally feeling, walking to university, thinking, whatever happens today, I know I'm good because I've done my spiritual exercises. I felt like, I'm walking to today. And what would also happen is, if for whatever reason, I slept through the alarm and I didn't quite do the Bible reading that I wanted to do and I didn't quite feel like I really prayed like I felt I had to pray. I would feel this kind of slight like heaviness over my life or like God was, I knew he loved me but like slightly disappointed. Have you ever had that feeling? Like if you told me, oh, I know God loves me but if, if I were to imagine his face, his face would be a little bit like 
but you could try harder, couldn't you? That kind of feeling. Anyone testify to that kind of feeling? A few people. That's walking away from Jesus. You can actually try really hard to be a Christian and in the process, leave him. You can also do it by just abandoning any sense of morality or kind of Christian discipline. We're always prone to doing this and even with church being so caught up with this, that, what's happening. And so Jesus gives us baptism in the Lord's Supper to keep us grounded in this reality. Paul says in Colossians 2, he says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so how did we receive him? We received him as a gift. If you're a Christian here today, you didn't do anything to contribute to your salvation, to your eternal life. God broke into your life. He gave you a gift in Jesus Christ. He forgave you. He washed your heart clean. It's free and we rejoice. And Paul says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So in that moment where you became a Christian, you say, thank you, Lord Jesus. How, how do you continue your path with him? You continue in the same vein with Christ at the centre saying, thank you for all that you've done for us. So when we wake up in the morning, it's not, OK, I've become a Christian like a few years ago now. So like, what do I need to do to really mature in God? No, just as that moment when you first in a meeting or a home in your bedroom, you said, thank you, Jesus. Every day for the rest of our lives, we wake up and say, thank you, Lord Jesus, as I received you, so I continue to walk in you. And it says, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. And baptism and the Lord's Supper really keep us grounded. And, and what they do is baptism is this uh, symbol of the, the gateway into our walk with Jesus Christ. It's a once for all moment that as we say yes to Jesus, he gives us this physical moment for us to uh, have a spiritual reality communicated to our, to our bodies and broadcast to the church and to anyone who would be there. It's this amazing moment where we symbolically go into the water, that we, we, we die with Jesus and then we rise again from the water, as it were, our old self dead and now our new self alive in Jesus Christ and we come out of the water a new person. Baptism itself does not confer salvation, but it is this kind of living physical parable, this lived out picture of what has happened in our hearts. And it's this moment where we say yes, and everything that God did in us is symbolised in this baptism. Sometimes people are very worried about like, being baptised too early because they think, I don't know enough about it. And some of you feel like even today, like, oh, I was baptised quite young, you know, maybe if I'd waited. Here's what it is all about. Baptism is just a moment of symbolising the receiving of Jesus Christ. So what did you do to receive Jesus Christ? Nothing. What do you do, therefore, to be baptised? Do you have to go to a baptismal class? Do you have to do this? Do you have to show some kind of fruit? or that you, Just as you receive Jesus Christ, you receive baptism. It is this gift that's given to us and then what happens for the rest of our lives as we develop in our knowledge of Jesus and what he's done in our life is basically we in, uh, just kind of pour meaning more and more into that baptism it doesn't nullify it just we understand all that God did in my life when he saved me and for you and me now baptism is not something that we just leave in the past I've still got a photo of me like 
in my Baptist church, they made us all wear white because it was symbolising the purity of our lives. I was just wearing my cricket whites, but <laughs> scrubbing the green stains out of my knees before the service. Um, and I've still got this picture. But, but our baptism is not just to be left in the past. It's not something to be saying, okay, I've, I've done it, I tick. It's something that I've, you know, for whatever reason, Jesus said, you've got to get wet in front of a church. And like, I've done it, so fine. It's, it's, it's actually a discipleship tool for us. Martin Luther in the 1500s, a German pastor who was at the forefront of so many breakthroughs in God um, and therefore really faced a lot of opposition and, and spiritual attack and spiritual despair. He taught us that baptism is actually a tool for fighting temptation and despair. Because whenever he felt these temptations to despair and depression, he would remind himself of his baptism and he would say, even to Satan, he would say, I'm a baptised believer. I belong to Jesus Christ. He died for me. He is mine and I am his. I am bound up with him going to glory. I remember the moment I went down into the water and came out again. You can't touch my life. He would use it continually to fight despair and to fight temptation when he was tempted to sin. And for you and I, it's this continual moment. Continue to go back. If you have got a picture or a video, bring it out. Remind yourself of that moment and use it to fight in your life, to remind yourself who you are, because God gave it as an anchor in your life deliberately. And as we come through baptism, through these waters, we then begin to walk with Jesus, and he gives us this second sacrament, which is the Lord's Supper, which is what we take today. And this is given to us as an anchor to keep us grounded in Christ and rooted in him, and to keep us from thinking that we can now do our Christian life by our own works and our own discipline and our, or by just abandoning him morally and just thinking I can do whatever I like because Christ said he forgives me so what does it matter? He keeps us grounded in him through the breaking of bread and the sharing of this wine and it's a very special and unique thing this, 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 this meal started many many years ago way back when even in the Old Testament with this Passover meal. So if some of you know the story where um, Israel were in captivity, they were slaves to Egyptian rulers for many, many years. And God says that he is going to break free through the leadership of Moses and he is going to break them free from slavery and take them out so that they can worship him in freedom. And the last of the ten plagues, what happens is, is God says to God's people that they are to take a lamb, that they are to sacrifice the lamb, and with the blood of this lamb, they are to put blood across the doorposts of their homes. And as you do that, not a superstitious thing, but an act of faith, believing God that the sacrifice will keep them safe, keep them safe they put this blood, smeared it over their doorposts. So that when the angel of death came across them, across the whole of Egypt, and the firstborn of every family was dying, those who were trusting in God and had put the blood on their doorposts were kept safe in that moment. And they ate this roasted lamb and they ate bread without yeast. And as they walked into freedom, into the wilderness, God tells them in Exodus 12 to continue every year to eat this meal as a remembrance of what God did in saving them from slavery. 
And so the Jewish people, even to this day, take a, a day a year to celebrate this Passover meal to remember what God did in bringing them out of slavery. And sometimes I think um, that the Jewish people have a, a lot to teach us because they have been battered and persecuted because they are Jewish and yet they have maintained such a strong cultural identity as a people in large part because they have held on to these traditions to these rites, to these meals, to these symbols that actually keep them anchored and grounded in the realities of God. Sometimes as evangelicals and happy clappies, if you don't like our kind of church, you know, we, we love our freedom, don't we? We love the fact that we're in a community hall and we don't have to have a spire and the pastor doesn't wear a dog collar and a robe and a thing. We don't need traditions. We don't need the past. We don't need, we've got Jesus and we've got the Bible. That's all that we need, which is true. Yes and amen. But actually there is a lot to be said for symbols and rites and patterns and habits and traditions. Different to tradition, traditionalism. But there are things and patterns that, that we want to instill in our lives that actually teach our hearts and keep us grounded in God and so the Jewish people have this moment where they celebrate this Passover meal and they say all that God did we remember God and his faithfulness and they sit back and they celebrate and remember and rejoice in God and what Jesus does as a Jewish man every year having celebrated this Passover meal one year comes to Jerusalem to celebrate and he shares a Passover meal with his disciples but he does something radically different with it. And we're told in Matthew 26 this. Let me just read this for you. It's not going to come up on the screen. But let me just read this moment. For hundreds and thousands of years, God's people had stopped and remembered what God had did in the past. It pointed back to a moment in Egypt. And then Jesus comes along and he celebrates this Passover meal with them and he actually does something radically different and points it to himself he says now as they were eating this Passover meal Jesus took bread and after blessing it broke it and gave it to the disciples and said take eat this is my body Imagine how that would have sounded in that moment. The tradition, the built-up cultural tradition of this is what we do at Passover. We look back to that moment where God did a great work in bringing us out of Egypt. And now Jesus picks up that same bread, the bread of Yahweh. And he says, this bread is now my body. Like this was a massive moment in their life. Like, wow. All these pennies beginning to drop. Think, well, are you saying you're that God of the Old Testament? You are the I am that I am. You are Yahweh. He said, this is, this is now me. He says, now you come to me. You don't go up to Yahweh. You come to me. Who is Yahweh? And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many the forgiveness of sins I tell you I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new 
in my father's kingdom. So Jesus Christ brings this whole meal to a moment. He says, I want you to continue to remember this. But now this is going to be about my broken body and my shed blood. So that when we break the bread and and sadly with health and safety and COVID and all these kind of things now, I'd love just to be able to break one loaf to symbolize the fact that we are one body around one man, Jesus Christ. And in his body, as his body is broken, we find our eternal life. And as we pour out the wine and we have this wine that we drink, what we are doing is we are imbibing spiritually the life of Christ's blood, which symbolizes his death and all that that gives us in eternal life. And we gather around this table again and again and again as a, as a right, as a, as, a, as a moment where we gather around Jesus and are reminded of what it is to be a Christian. I'm a sinner, yet I'm saved by a wonderful saviour. Paul said these words to us. Now I just want to read this, this passage. It's, it's, it, it's lengthy, but we don't often read the whole passage. It's from 1 Corinthians 11. And he says this. In the following instructions, I do not commend you. Thanks, Paul. It's, really, it's great. It's like, church, I've got a sermon I need to tell you on this matter. You're really not doing very well. Uh, this is how you need to do it. He says, for in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part. For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you must be recognised. When you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. It can be quite tough sometimes. What was happening is that really on, on, on their Sunday, it was still a working day. Their Sunday was really the equivalent of a Monday for us. And they were gathering probably after work. And what was happening is that those who were wealthy, who did not need to work the same hours, those who weren't wealthy and were labouring, they were gathering at someone's house in someone's courtyard and they were enjoying these rich, lavish meals, imbibing a few too many glasses of red wine, getting drunk, And those who were poor were coming in late with hardly anything and they were not getting to partake in the fullness of this meal. And so Paul is saying, you don't understand what's happening. As you gather around the Lord's Supper, this meal, you are gathering around Jesus as one body and that oneness needs to be reflected in how you do this. And so he says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks he broke it and said this is my body which is for you do this in remembrance of me and in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me for as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup you proclaim the lord's death until he comes he says whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So he said there is a moment of introspection that needs to happen when we come to this moment. It's not I can take the grace of God and take it lightly or I can just I can do whatever I like, he's going to give it to me. No, we come re- recognizing 
There is wrongdoing in my life and I am coming to receive the grace of God. So we don't come flippantly. We might come joyously, but it's not flippant. He says, let a person examine himself and then so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, that is Jesus' body and our body, eats and drinks judgment on himself. So if you don't understand what's happening here, there is a type of judgment. And he even says, that is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. I just need to pause here for a moment because you think, hang on a minute, did I just hear what you, I think you just said? Are you saying that if I drink this and I'm worth it, I might die? Firstly, there is that possibility, but it's probably not what you, what you think. I think what's happening here is people who are deliberately mistreating this meal and deliberately coming, willingly causing divisions and causing problems, sinning in their hearts and thinking, I can just take this however I want. The Lord is merciful and gracious, but there is a sense of seriousness about it. And he says this, if we are judged ourselves truly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along the world along with the world so God always does things for our good so then my brothers and sisters when you come together wait for one another if anyone is hungry let him eat at home so that when you come together it will not be for judgment about the other things I will come and give directions when I come so we gather around this bread and this wine recognising our sin in our life and for some of us there are moments when we gather around this today and many other times in the future. And there are moments where we know there's sin in our life that we need to confess first. And it might be to someone that you've come with. There might be that someone that you need to be reconciled with. And the Bible says you need to make every effort to reconcile with them. Part of judging the body correctly is if you know that you've sinned against someone else and there is something that needs to be reconciled, the first thing you do before you take communion is go and reconcile with your brother and sister and then come take communion. A pastor friend of mine said that he had a meeting with another pastor and, and it was a reconciliation meeting. They were, they were meeting to actually come together, confess and sin to one another and actually come back in union together. And he said it was one of the godliest things he's ever done. It's amazing. He said, I've taken funerals, I've taken weddings, I've preached the Bible, I've been in so many worship services, but reconciling with this brother is one of the godliest things I've ever done, sensing his presence. For some of us, that's what we need to do. You think, actually, I'm, I'm out, I'm out of relationship here. Before I do anything else, I need to go and make reconciliation. And then we confess our sin. We say, Lord, I have sinned against you. And then we receive the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. We take in his body and his blood spiritually into our souls that we might receive his life. What happens when Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood, is not literally that this bread is actually his body. Like You can't see it, but it's actually his body. Or that this blood is actually his wine. Some churches believe that, and what happens is the vicar or the priest at the end of the service has to drink all of the blood and eat all of the bread because it's Christ's body and you can't put that in the bin. So the priest has to. So there's a reason why priests are known to be a little bit jolly sometimes. 
Because they're drinking quite a lot of wine sometimes. Because it needs to be imbibed. We, we believe it's, it's not that. But it's either, it's actually not also just a memorial. It's not like, hey, we're remembering. Like Remembrance Sunday, a very important Sunday that we stand and remember something. It's not just that either. When Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. What we believe is he promises us to be here in this moment that he can strengthen us spiritually and speak gospel truth to us so that we know that we are grounded in him. I remember one moment when uh, Tori and I were up in York where her family and where she grew up and we were being given communion by Toria's mum and dad. They happened to be on the road and it's a big church there. We were going forth down the front and my mother-in-law said, take the blood of Jesus for eternal life. And I took this goblet of wine and I was, I was looking at the wine. It's this sudden revelation of it, eternal life is found in this cup that symbolises the blood of Jesus. Like, I've been saved and I'm just drinking this in. And I was looking into this, this is eternal life. And it's suddenly like, the, the moments this is spiritually stretched before me, like all that is symbolised in this cup. That, and what do I do? I literally just drink it. That's all I do. And I have eternal life. I receive this. And we believe that God speaks different shades and angles of the gospel and the glory of Christ come to us in moments where we need it very often. And so we come expectant also asking, would you meet us in this moment as a family as we gather around you? So this is what we're going to do this morning. We're going to centralise our hearts around Jesus. Maybe if the band can come back up. Very practically, um, we believe as a church that there's freedom to take this meal outside of Sundays. So you don't need me to preside over this meal for it to be the Lord's Supper. In the Bible, uh, food is sanctified by word and prayer. So our encouragement actually to you is that as you gather as community groups, even as you gather as friends over an evening meal, we would love there to be many moments where the bread is shared and the wine is shared. If you gather around and you have friends who are Christians, you read scripture together, you say, could I, could I just read the passage from 1 Corinthians 11? I'm all the theology. I want to, can I just read this passage over this bread and this wine? And could we just pray and give thanks for what Jesus has done for us? And you share the bread and the wine together, recognising Christ, keeping him at the centre of your, your gathering. And we do it as a church, together as we gather on a Sunday and say, Christ, you are our all in all. Just as we received you, so we walk in you. Amen.